0: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Fast Break Live NBA po- podcast. It's your boy Samuel here. I am back once again, um, following the second round of the playoffs. I know I did one of these episodes right after the f- first round of the playoffs, so I'm trying to get a little bit more consistent. You know, your boy is co-teaching kindergarten, so you know he doesn't have as much time as he used to. But I'm here, anyways. We get to talking some. NBA playoffs. I got with me my boy, Chris Percianen from Knicks Film School. Chris, say what's up to the people? Yes,
1: sir. We live. Uh, Thank you for having me on, first of all, because playoffs, I mean, not only is this my favorite time of the year, but it's my favorite time of the year to talk shit, so... Um, especially, especially with the Knicks out of it, like everyone's like, "Oh, the Knicks are out of the playoffs." Like, you can't be taught. What are you gonna do? Like, I, I, I have nothing. I have nothing to lose. All my guys been in Cancun. Like, what are you gonna say? I don't. I got like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit here and judge your team, and there's nothing you, you can just cry. I don't know. I, I love this time of year, and I, I don't like revel in the misery of being out of the playoffs as much as other people do. I feel like I still just have my fun as a, as a fan of the league. So yeah, very, very excited to come on and get to talk some some of these other storylines going on.
0: Yeah, and that's that's like my that's always been the way I've viewed it. I mean, being a Knicks fan as long as I've been like Going back for me, it's like my earliest moments of watching the Knicks were actually when they were in the playoffs with um, 2011, 2012, those squads and whatnot. And yeah, you know, after seeing my team get bounced out early on, it was just like you know, let's just see what else happens around the league, and you know, you eventually like you get sucked into the to into what happens to the rest of the league, and you know, eventually. Over the years, it just becomes like tradition, no matter if your team is in it or not. And, you know, it's just, that's just always the way it's been for me. Um, and, you know, over the years, I just got more and more critical of what I've been seeing because, you know, over the years, you just, you gain more knowledge and then you just apply it to what you've been seeing with your own team and then you see it happen to other teams. So, yeah, you know, exactly. It's just, like, the- it's just a whole big grand cycle.
1: I got lit up on Twitter, like, OD, because I said, you know, hey, I think as fans, we might enjoy running to crown a young team every year as having like the best future ever. I don't know. Maybe we do because look at the Hawks last year and look at the Grizzlies this year. And I got like lit up. Like I got killed for that take. And it was like, what, dude? Like everyone kept telling me that that was wrong is part of the problem. You know what I mean? Like these teams, like them getting overhyped is part of like, the coverage of the sport but like you should be able to talk about it i don't know i love i love this time of year i love when you know people love to talk all the time oh the money making games whatever like yeah okay we're in them now like this stuff is real you know like chris paul just shat himself again like this is stuff that you can't ignore <laughs> you know these this is the playoffs
0: yeah so let's let's get right into the, the swing of things we had two Game 7s yesterday. We're recording this on Monday night around 8.45, around 9, actually. Um, day after those two Game 7s, I honestly thought that these two Game 7s would have been way more competitive than they, they ended up being. Um, I mean, credit to the Bucks, They did keep things a little bit competitive in that first half um, in their Game 7 against the Celtics. But Giannis just didn't have enough firepower into the, in that game. I mean they're missing Chris Middleton they've been missing him for a m- majority of these playoffs um and it's just it's just a matter of he just didn't have enough and i i i was also kind of disappointed in Giannis's performance in that game too because i know he kind of left everything out on the table in game 6 with the 44 and 20 performance at home and you know his teammates just couldn't bring it home for him but I kind of expected a little bit more out of him in that game in that game 7 on the road. I know last year same position, game 7 on the road in the second round and he showed up with 40. Um so you know, I just kind of expected a replication of that performance. Um Drew did a little bit better um in terms of um adding some scoring with 21 points, but after that it was Brooke Lopez giving you 15 and then I mean, yeah, (laughs) that's basically it. Like, I don't know what else to say. Wes Matthews gave you three points. Grayson Allen gave you only one point. And I I thought Grayson
1: kept playing him.
0: Yeah. And I just thought that he shouldn't have played for a majority of this series. I mean, he was just like, there's like times where teams expose weak points, but he was just such a non-factor on both ends of the court. It just... It didn't do him any good to keep him out there. I could understand if he was shooting it as well as he was in the Chicago series, but that just wasn't the case. Um, Pat didn't really give you anything. George Hill shouldn't have been playing, but didn't give you much as well. And yeah, I mean, this was the story for a lot of the games in this series. And, you know, the Celtics, they're just a, a way better team, way better defensive team. And when you have Grant Williams coming out, giving you seven threes, and twenty seven points. I mean, there's only so much you can do as a team. But um, yeah. how do you feel about this game seven? And how'd you feel about this series overall? For sure, I was gonna say like just
1: to start out, I had the Bucks winning, and the reason was Giannis. Like, I was like, I don't care, even if Middleton never comes back. Like, they have what it takes. Um, because they have a dude and a half in that guy. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to like no help this. Um, you know, I don't want to just play no help for him, but like, I don't know. We respect Giannis as someone that goes out there and, and just always gives his all, as you said. So that's why he's not really catching that slander. Um, you know, he, that ring last year buys him, buys him that shield from that. And, and it should, um, you know, not having Middleton is tough. I still, I agree with you. Like the bucks could have shown more, I think their coaching was indicative of like a team wide mindset that like, or not just a coaching, but like the lack of bud made adjustments, but they weren't like ballsy. They were just adjustments, you know, like he was just moving pawns around. Like they didn't, when you're down an all star like that, that's when you take shots, right? That's when you go and try an adjustment that may, may totally fail on you, but has high upside, right? Like, I don't know, man. Grayson Allen just continuing to get that start was so like representative to me of just like insanity, you know, like I, I, I kept thinking the Bucks are going to win. Um, They were underdogs, several games that I thought they should have been favored, you know, based on like the storyline of the series. um, It was really clear the whole time that like Vegas just straight up thought Boston was the clearly better team the whole way. And Boston comes out in that game seven. I know it was at home, but they come out and they show you why. Um, They just, they did it. They did the thing and they had a a role player show out for them in Grant Williams. You know, Tibbs, someone who always gave Grant Williams like weird credit this year, like out of nowhere, he would go out of his way to be like, Oh, that guy plays the right way. You know, like just bro is always like finding ways to shout out Grant Williams of all people, which is like the most Tibbs thing ever. And here we are in the playoffs and bro made like, what, like seven threes. Like I just cannot. But like, of course, of course he did. Um, I love him. I love the way he plays too. I just think it's hilarious. Like dude, he's such a goofball. Like for him to hit that for him to have that game is just objectively hilarious to me with how goofy he is. I don't know. Um... For Boston though, like they just looked like who they're supposed to be. You know, they just looked like the team that we think they can be, the team that Boston fans say they are. The team you know, like they, they looked like that team. Um and I kept sitting there waiting for Giannis to come back, waiting for that lead to to, to to shrink and for the Celtics to win by like two or three even. And it just never got to that point. The Bucs just didn't have it. Um, the three point shooting in that game seven, I think kind of, I think people are walking away from that series lower on the bucks than they should be just because of how flat that game seven performance was there. There's a take of mine that like, just based on the reaction to that series that I'm going to stand by, is that like, I, I don't know the people see, I think people are underrating the bucks. Like, outlook the next like two years you know like they're still gonna be right up there in the east with no worries (laughs) them only being able to make six threes in in this game and and Boston hitting like 20 or they made four and Boston made 23s I'm not gonna let that define them as a team it's just also a thing that happened you know so I'm not gonna sit here and be like oh Giannis was perfect and he deserves to you know just come back next year and try again like, nah, he can he can get shit for not really, like, being a superstar in that game seven and showing up the way we expect him to, but I don't know, you know, <laughs> it's not something to lose sleep over. Like I'm not out on Milwaukee now because of this. I just think Boston had it this year. They had the juice this year. They got Rob Will back. Bucks didn't have Middleton, and, and there was your series was just, like, even if the Bucks had a shot, that discrepancy in talent was probably um too much the whole time. Even if I didn't want to realize it just cause I don't like Boston and I do like Giannis.
0: Yeah, I mean, um with the Bucks now, um, following this series, they do have some things to consider um going forward. Um, in terms of the pieces that they do bring back and how do they they retool this roster? Cause um I'm not the biggest fan of Bobby Marks, but I was watching his offseason guide um, this morning um, for the Bucks, um, And he, he did have some points that I do agree with. Like he said, like, as long as Giannis is on this team, they'll always have a chance at contending. Um, but they do have to make the pieces around him work. Um, one thing that he did bring up was um, Middleton has two years left on his contract and he is extension eligible. Um, and he was saying he wonders if the Bucks will extend him or not. Um, as well as like, what do they do with pieces like Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis, um, Brooke Lopez. Um, those are some, those are some things they have to consider. I mean, Brooke Lopez is, is getting up there in age and he does kind of fit this roster still, but it's like, as he's getting up there in age, do you, do you want to like see what you can get for him? Like you maybe add some depth pieces, um, in place of him. Um, Yeah, I,
1: I, I I don't know, man. They, I think, like even Schwinn, who was bringing up one time that like they might want to look into moving Middleton of all people, like just to see. Obviously, now it's weird because he missed time, but like, there's, there's ways, there's things you can do when you have Giannis that just like, you know, like that Drew trade, right? Like that was not (laughs) in a vacuum. That trade was not very um, value. You know, not a big value play for them, but they made the bet that with Giannis being as good as he is, that Drew would be enough and that they could settle for that and give up that package and be fine. And they did it and it paid off. So, you know, I can't hate too much. It's just like they definitely might need to do a thing or two that to, to, to get themselves some guys that are just like, I don't know, more guys that you can't you don't want to take off the floor. Instead of more guys that you're, like, playing hot potato with subbing out for each other as they get cold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and it's, it's really
0: difficult, too, because, like, they just don't have that much wiggle room, per se. I mean, the back end of their roster was Javon Carter, Jordan Nwara, Thinassus Antetoknupo, Anz- Anz- who c- continues to have a roster spot as long as um Giannis is there. So that's just on automatic right there. Yeah. Um, and Sergi Baco who they got for um Brook Lopez insurance but Brook Lopez ended up coming back and looking very good so it's like he ended up just being a guy on the bench which i mean I, I don't know if Dante DiVincenzo really moves the needle in this series in 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 um in the rotation if um if Middleton still does go down but like that's something that's a move that they could that's a that's a piece they could have used in a different move um to to get, gain some depth um on the wings which is something that they lacked as soon as Milton went down so they do have a lot to consider with with very little wiggle room I'll say
1: yeah they are not like swimming in firsts or anything to go tool this roster yeah. up with so it'll be interesting to see you know everyone trading with them knows the situation they're in too. that Elasticity of demand isn't exactly <laughs> too stretchy, you know. They teams know they can squeeze them for whatever because they need it. Um, I just don't think they're screwed. I think they'll be fine. Like uh, Horst will figure out something, you know. He'll talk to Giannis. They'll figure out something. Um, the name that keeps uh, this is this would be like really weird. This would be really, really weird. And it would be a bet on somehow turning this guy into some bad version defensively of old Brook. Like he's not gonna be close, but offensively you're getting some like Rashawn Holmes, if he shakes loose, might be like a really like out of left field acquisition for a contending team that like we realize once he's on a good team is actually just really good. Um despite being bad on defense, which we like we know about. Uh, obviously that's not someone, you know, you're confident in having on the court in those last two minutes of game seven. So maybe not the perfect acquisition, but there's gotta be something that's a little different out there that they could look at, um, to go to the same team, you know, would they benefit from trying to get some, some length in Harrison Barnes? right? Like that's a move. I could, I just don't know how they fit that salary. So it's like, yeah, they, they, they're really, they,
0: they're really tightly.
1: There's gotta be something out of left field that they can do that gives that team a new flavor offensively uh, without screwing their defense. And and I, that, that move is going to be out there. I just, I think it's going to be weird. I, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't think there's anything out there that's easy. You know, I, I could see, I mean, jeez, man! I could see the Bucks being the team somehow that goes and grabs D'Lo, and like has him be the the fourth guy on that team. And
0: I just don't just, know who they get. They up, go though.
1: top heavy as hell, and and get minimum guys to come fill out the roster. You know, like I they, they got it. I think they do something weird. So we'll see. But yeah, something's got to happen. Just nothing major. I wouldn't go running to trade Drew or Chris this summer.
0: Yeah, they um, don't have to do that. Drew is weird, and Ugh, he's un- don't even get me started on. And he's he's unproductive. I have slander lined up for days for him. He's not a
1: he's not a parlay respecter in the in the postseason. I would say, um, so he's not a know. win
0: respecter. Like he just <laughs> doesn't like like props to him defensively. Like his game five, I had to lay off some slander after his game five finish. He did he did his thing offensively and defensively to end that game but like to 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 I mean even game 7 he did pretty well I mean 21 points on 21 shots take what you get from Drew but like man he just like it baffles me like how he's able to miss like point blank layups wide open jumpers like he he he's, he don't even be taking like wild shots it's just wild to me like how he can't get simple stuff to convert and that will always confuse me about him
1: yeah i i get it um on the other side of things i think boston should be really happy uh with with this first year of udoka stevens you know whatever this new configuration that they have up top and their their brain trust and and coaching staff um i i I don't know if i would say like there's they need to do something i think they (laughs) they could uh, you know, I think they could look at that bench a little bit, those those bench bigs and see what they could do about maybe getting someone at the back of five that could replicate Rob Will's play style for the the minutes he's not in um, and bring actual like good, you know, like they could they could be an elite defense, legitimately elite for 48 straight minutes a game if they go and get a backup. I don't even know who I'm thinking of, but like. You get what I'm saying? Go, just go secure that 48 minutes of elite rim protection. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't think they need a rush to do anything though, so that's good for them. I got a big test coming up uh, against Miami now. Miami's not a team that that scared me going into the playoffs, like because I was just thinking about the Bucks as like Giannis. There's just like Bam is no answer for Giannis, you know. But now mm-hmm. Giannis is out, <laughs> so. Uh, the Heat, the, you know, if there's a team that can counter this this top end strategy that the Celtics have. Uh, going to be the guy to figure it out, right? So, we'll see. Miami may not have the firepower, and I think it comes down to that. You know, Kyle Lowry ruled out for Game One. They were still two point favorites last time I checked. I don't know, you know, how that's changed now that he's been ruled out. But yeah, I, I like Boston's chance to to show their stuff here. I think miami can win i just don't see it i really don't
0: yeah the line has stayed the same and we'll get into um we'll we'll get into conference finals um talk um as we um discuss um the rest of the playoffs um moving on to the other game seven that played out yesterday which was a complete and utter like absolute shellacking a a beat down Whatever word you can use to describe getting, like, eviscerated the way the Suns did at home in a game seven against the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, when you talk about, like, complete embarrassments in the playoffs, it reminds me of another Chris Paul-led team um, back in 2009, I believe it was. Carmelo Anthony's Denver Nuggets went into New Orleans into New Orleans another home game for Chris Paul and absolutely embarrassed the Hornets. I think it was the first round or the second round. I forgot which round it was. But they absolutely embarrassed them. Beat them by like I don't even remember how much. I think yeah, it was that like, was nasty, man. Yeah, it <laughs> was it was bad and um this was absolutely egregious. I mean, largest lead of the game was forty six for the Mavericks, um, and like this, this was just like a complete no show, complete no show. Um, and I'm Booker going back. Nasty.
1: He-
0: I'm going back <laughs> I mean- here. I'm seeing it. It was Denver one twenty one to New Orleans sixty three. That was back in the 2009 playoffs. That was a 58-point loss at home in the playoffs for a Chris Paul-led team. And here we are today following a Game 7 with a chance to get back to the Western Conference Finals for the second year in a row. And Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden. I mean, everybody. No one showed up for the the, the Suns today. I mean, there no was th-
1: there was stuff with Ayton too. Like more and we'll get into than... that.
0: We'll get into yeah. that. But, I mean, t- just like talk about embarrassment. Like, oh my gosh, what an absolute abysmal game from Phoenix. And they picked the absolutely wrong, the worst time to not show up at all. Um, shout out to the Mavericks. I mean, Luka Doncic, she set the tone early, scoring like the first eight points, I think it was, of the game and 12 points in the first quarter. 27 points in the first half, matching Phoenix's first half team total. Finished with 35 points in the game. Then you had Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie, Mr. Crypto Man, with He's 30 points. 30 points in a game seven. If you told me Spencer Dinwiddie scored 30 points in a game seven, I would have told you he, he was playing 2K, right? Not real life, because I never would have seen the day. And I saw a stat today. It was him and him and Luca are like the second teammates to score thirty plus in a game seven. The other pair of teammates, Kobe and Shaq, yeah, wow. And I even mentioned Brunson who added twenty four points. And those Damn. dudes were taking turns just like getting whatever mismatch they wanted. And converting it and it was just nasty. I mean, the end score was 123.90, and that doesn't even tell you the full magnitude of this game. Chris, how did you feel?
1: Man, you know I love the you know, I I'm not like, you know, I love the Suns. Um, I really like Booker and I I like Aiden a lot as someone with potential, like someone who I thought was underrated for a bit. Um, that's my thing, you know, you could, you, if you haven't been able to tell over the last like couple years of me shamelessly having all my agendas, like my agendas are all kind of based on public perception of guys and how I think it differs from who they are. Right. So like people had it as like a guaranteed for so many years that Mitchell was better than Booker Levine was better than Booker, yada, yada. And I was like, I don't, I, I really don't think so, bro. Like, I think he is the best guy out of all these guys we're talking about. And now he's getting talked about how I think he deserves to be talked about, like as a top fifteen NBA player, as a lock of a top twenty player. You know, he's finally getting that same respect that guys like Donovan have gotten for like two, three years now without even having been to the finals, right? So it's like, um. The thing though is that when you when that happens when that shift happens like if you have an artist that not a lot of people you know people know about him obviously but maybe not a lot of people like think he's good or think she's good and then they they have a song that blows up and a couple more songs blow up like all right well now there's expectations like now people are going to their page when that new shit drops to go listen and if it's awful like more people are going to talk about it than they were earlier you know um and and he shat himself and, and Paul shat himself too. That whole team just showed up soft and showed up uh like they were ready to lose. Like they were just fulfilling a requirement of of being there, you know? Um and that's embarrassing. That that's 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 a thing where like you that's a go look in the mirror moment, man. Like that's like a they gotta ask James Jones for some like enforcers this offseason, some some more tough guys than fake ass jay crowder and and like really have an identity as a contender that won't back down because they played like i don't i don't even know man they played they played like an aau team that was like 16 and 0 through the year and then they they go up against some team and then they they are losing the first half and they're like oh whatever we'll go 16 and 1 who cares it's like it's like what <laughs> you know yeah. like like that was your game seven you know you literally are out of the playoffs and you've rolled over what are we doing here bro
0: and i i i follow like i follow one prominent um Suns fan um and like a, a lot of the the Suns fans they wanted someone like eric gordon um at the trade deadline and i think like Houston was asking for like a first and like jalen smith and the deal fell through for whatever reason. Yeah, they should have um, done that. Yeah, and a lot of Suns fans they 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 thought that Eric Gordon would have helped with like um with like um creation cuz like a, a lot of Suns fans believe that Chris Paul like for whatever it's worth throughout the regular season he's able to like get you through it but come playoff time they knew having booker as the as the lone creator was not going to be enough and they thought someone like eric gordon could have mitigated some of that and uh, i was like unironically saying that they should
1: trade Saric and a second for alec burks just to add him to their to their roster
0: burks i mean burks like we
1: knew sarich was going to be out all year every year you got chris paul at this age you are in your window right what the hell are you doing paying sarge nine million dollars to sit on the bench throw yeah. the, get tibbs to suck it up throw in enough picks that the that sucks it up and all agrees to it and and get yourself alec burks for like two seconds at absolute most i don't know man like you cannot be picky when you're in that situation you can't be Team? sitting there like uh, sitting on your your pearls or whatever like, look at the celtics yo He's going to be that.
0: lining up for Alec Burks this offseason, though. I tell you that because after they see the lack of creation that they have on their own roster. I mean, Alec Burks, he was overextended this year um, on the Knicks, but like on like a um, like a tertiary role on some of these other teams and that, that go deeper in the playoffs. that need him to just like come in off the bench and do like spot creation. He's going to be he's going to be be worth a pretty penny. Um, so I think I think um Burks will be finding a new home this offseason just because I've seen what a lot of these teams lack and he provides that at at, at um at a premium for a, a low cost. But um, going back to this game, I mean, man, it's just like. You have Chris Paul, who absolutely looked abysmal for, like, f- the last five games of this series. They say he's been dealing with a quad injury, whatever. I don't really care whether it's true or not. I don't buy it. Like, everyone's playing hurt in the playoffs. I mean, have you looked at Miami's injury report every game? Like, half their roster is questionable with injuries before every game. Like, everybody's hurt in the playoffs. It's either you're going to suck it up or you're going to let it destroy you and you need to sit out. Um So we have Chris Paul. He looked pathetic for the last five games of this series. Um, Then you have DeAndre in who. I mean, he's going to be going into free agency, restricted free agency, I believe. Um, He wanted a max. Suns told him. Nah, just play out this year and we'll see what happens. He doesn't look really he doesn't really look that great this series at all. Game seven, he did not look good at all. Um I mean he had Luca backing him down in the post in certain possessions, just like having his way. And, you know, it just it just didn't look good. And there was a little issue in the game. Um DeAndre Aiden only played like 17 minutes. Um and on the bench he had like a little um he had like a little interaction with um with uh, with Monty, and there were rumors
1: a, about what was being said. Yeah, I don't know if that's true though. So we'll um, I think see. it
0: was because I saw a clip today that it was he. Uh, I saw a clip today of him on the bench, and I read his lips, and he said, "I can't pass. I can't pass myself the ball." So I uh. think, like, yeah, I think uh, I think those rumors of whatever else was said probably are true. Um, of him, like want like basically, Monty had asked him, I guess, like if he wanted to go back in the game, and he said no. Which I mean. He probably doesn't want to risk injury as well yeah, as he's just game, not engaged. The game well is already cooked, the game is like it's a forty-point game in the third quarter. Like, what's the point? So I, 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 I get it.
1: I um, get it from his standpoint. But it's game seven. Like you just went to war with these guys all year. You know, uh, I, I think you don't go outside like he did voluntarily unless you think everyone else is going outside too. Like I think he was literally sitting there like, yo, like what the hell are we doing? Like No one showed up. All right, I guess I don't have to either and just was like, screw this. Uh, I, you definitely don't do that if you think you're going to be back on a team. So it's not like Monty Williams is going anywhere, right? So I, I don't know what happens to throw names out there. I said literally the night of the game, Charlotte and San Antonio, two teams that should be all over him. Uh, San Antonio not just because of the David Robinson comparisons, but they have a shooting coach in Chip England who's really good. And that might be a spot where he might be able to go and screw up a lot and then be able to work on being a real offensive option, like someone who goes whole possession, like whole stretches of possessions, just touching the ball every time, you know, getting dumped down to, Whatever it is, like like he's just very involved in the offense and and in the scoring. Um, and I think San Antonio would be a good spot for that. I think if you want to have him, you know, be more of a, a role man than a creator, but have that which you do. Um, but also have like the room to create. I think there's a deal to be made with Charlotte, and and Charlotte with with Lamelo Ball, obviously as as the playmaker there. Um would serve as a pretty interesting home for him. I'm not sure what specifically they have that Phoenix would want. Maybe maybe we get really evil and the Knicks get Hayward and the Suns get Randall and the Hornets get Aiden. And the Knicks, instead of trading for Aiden, get like a bunch of or not a bunch of, but just like they get stuff out of this for tr- swapping Randall for Hayward. Um and probably throwing in vets for, for Phoenix too. You know, maybe Man, someone just, like
0: Burks. I just cannot talk myself into acquiring Hayward just because I know he's guaranteed to go down with a foot or ankle injury at yeah, yeah, some point in the year. That's not which, the worst thing, though, right? I don't know if that's the worst thing. I don't know. I just can't. I can't talk myself into it right I'll start, now. I'll start QG. I, I just can't. I do want to. I do want to. As we shift to the Mavs side, I do want to say. Um, which will kind of relate to the Knicks in some way. Um, Getting off of Porzingis to get Dinwiddie and Bertans, who Bertans is pathetic as a shooter, but, like, they needed to get something back in the deal, so, like, it's whatever. But it worked out greatly for them. I mean, turns out trading Porzingis does wonders for your franchise. Um, I mean, they traded Porzingis and became one of the best teams in the league, and they're in the Western Conference Finals with a chance to get to the finals for the first time in 11 years and literally all it took was trading for basically which is yeah remarkable and like sometimes like i know like mavs fans they they really wanted to win that trade and you know here's where i relate it back to the knicks i know the knicks really want randall some some fans like yourself chris want randall to work out here but sometimes you just got to eat it and you got to trade the dude for whatever you can get so that way you can, your team can progress further. Because we've seen we see, we see, now with the Mavs how they look with going five out, Kleber at the five sometimes. Kleber's great defensively, by the way. I got to give him props for that. Um, and great as a floor spacing threat. And we've seen with the Knicks young talent what they've got, or at least we've seen a glimpse of what they've got. And sometimes you just got to let your team be free as long as, as, as much as you want something to work. Sometimes it's just not meant to be. And I feel like those two situations, they parallel each other in some weird way, which is hilarious because Porzingis again, as everyone knows was a former Nick and they had to let go of him too. So it's just, it's just, it's just funny. How they didn't trade him for whatever tomorrow. they could
1: get though. They got a whole, they got a little haul. who,
0: the Mavericks, the, Kn-
1: the Knicks for Porzingis, oh, Knicks,
0: yeah, and, yeah, for their trade, yeah. But I mean, like I'm uh, talking in terms of um, Mavericks, literally just ate the bullet. They yeah, just, and I'm I saying mean, with 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 Randall, they may have to do the same thing. They took, I know they took some fans tons. don't want to talk about that, but
1: dinwiddie's a real thing, and also it's valuable to them. He's valuable to them because Brunson's probably gone. Um, Maybe yeah. If it's not us, Detroit, like someone's throwing him a bag, and Dallas is gonna be like, they're gonna get so high on Luca that they're going to talk themselves into whatever the sign and trade is for Brunson and going out and getting assets to go like get a Levine or whatever it is they can figure out. Like they'll figure something out. They got, they got that Nike guy down there now working with Luca. So, you know, that's, that's like that Leon approach of just (laughs) let, let the connections work their magic. Um, and and let the the people come. I I know Dallas a little different from New York. <laughs> Definitely, uh, Luka Doncic and no state income tax might be a, a pretty good selling point for any role player. You know, so that they're not going to have a problem in free agency this summer. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Ran t- t- to get on this really quick. Like, I, it's so weird with him. I just like it's going to completely depend on where he goes, what the package is. Like someone like Aiden, you know what Phoenix is getting. You know they're either getting someone back that's good, but is older, and Aiden has more potential, and that's why that team's willing to swap him. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you kind of get a sense of what they're going to get back for him. Randall, like you, just have no idea because you don't know who's going to trade for him. You don't know why they're going to trade for him. Um, the Knicks should only be making deals with teams that want to trade for Randall because they want Julius Randall. Like they want to take the shot on him. You know. Because at that point, then you're operating in a world where he has a positive value to them hypothetically, and you can charge them for that hypothetical value uh if you're if you're trading him to a team that's taking him because they have worse contracts they want to dump i you know what I'm saying? I'm not in to just get rid of him for the sake of getting rid of him i'm into I'm in for getting rid of him if I can look at our team after and be like, yeah, we're probably better off right now than we were." two two seconds ago which you know
0: will more than likely be the case no matter what i think Um, i just i
1: cannot co-sign like josh richardson doug mcdermott and a single second round pick back for julius randall being some great return because we dumped the salary like he's not some i i
0: I would not mind doug mcdermott back man that's what i'm saying bro like you people are talking themselves
1: into anything with randall bro it's it's od i mean he's we, you got to get in a situation where the where the other team wants him,
0: and we'll see what happens because you know a lot can happen between now and even tomorrow with the draft lottery, which we we will get into. But before we switch over to talking about um, the Sixers and Heat series and the Grizzly and the Grizzly and Warriors series, which concluded in six games, unlike the other two series. Um, quick little talk about slander because today the timeline on twitter has been very interesting um patrick beverly he's been talking his shit as you know he does um he was um he was talking on twitter last night and you know i guess yes the folks at espn made a call bored and, as hell and and pat bev ended up being on espn for almost the whole day today i mean from going on get up to first take to Max's, max max kellerman show whatever that was um yeah he was all know. over the place on espn today just like giving his thoughts on you know chris paul the Suns, you know just like what goes on in the nba locker rooms and all that stuff and i thought it was very interesting because you know it's not all the time that you get to hear a current player's perspective on, like, things that are currently going on in the league. It's usually, like, you know, you see a couple of jokes here on Twitter, that, here and there, like, you know, we saw everyone clowning on the Clippers when they got embarrassed in the bubble, um, which is hilarious because, you know, some, some, some people like to play mighty, um, holier than thou on social media, <laughs> Damien Lillard. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> I mean, like, like the, the, the idea of slander, like, not being warranted for players is hilarious. Like, to me, all slander is fair game for anybody. I even slander my favorite players. Steph Curry is one of my favorite players. If you look up Steph Curry on my Twitter page, you'll probably see a whole bunch of slander tweets and you'll be confused. But slander is fair <laughs> game for everybody, man. Everybody could get it. Well, that's, what I was saying,
1: that's what I was saying about Booker earlier. Like he put himself in that conversation with those with those better players now. So now he gets the slander they get when they shit the bet. Like that's fair to me, as long as he's in that conversation with those better players. You know? And that's, that's and that's the fame. same
0: and that's the same logic that goes into the Chris Paul slander. Chris Paul got a Hall of Fame career. He is held to a super high standard, especially by the media, who has him in MVP talks for like the past two years. He's in all NBA talks the past two years and now it is unfair to slander him like matt barnes is saying patrick beverly was disrespectful patrick beverly at least had the courtesy to call him a hall of famer but he said he what he said was facts chris paul did not produce at a high level in this series and monty probably should have considered benching him at times during this series i mean we saw that like um The Mavericks, they want, they attacked him relentlessly. Luca hunted for him relentlessly. Yeah. And it was, it went in the Mavericks' favor and it worked out for them. They won the series. They won those matchups. I mean, Luca was able to get whatever he wanted when he got Chris Paul on him. Jalen Brunson was able to get whatever he wanted when he had Chris Paul on him. Like those guys, they wanted that matchup. They were literally hunting for it. And if he was, if that's what he was giving you defensively, and then offensively he was giving you what he was giving you, which was basically nothing, Patrick Beverly didn't say anything wrong. And, like, if you're going to hold Chris Paul to that high standard, he also has to be due for that slander, too. I mean, people still slander Paul George for the bubble, Steph Curry for 2016. They slander Braun for every and anything, including myself. I do it, too, because, like I said, fair, slander is fair game for everybody. But, like, the fact that, like, people like get this into the into this defense mechanism for Chris Paul, I just find it hilarious. Uh, how you how you feel about this whole slander topic that's been going on? So I got a roommate. Well, now
1: not anymore, but because uh, I just finished my sophomore year today. But I had a roommate these last this last year, and, and he we lived on the same floor two years ago. Just like one of my best friends now at college, who's from Rome, um, and I've been teaching him about the NBA like from scratch, pretty much. He watched games here and there, but. He's been really interested in it and he's become a Nick fan. His favorite player from early on was quick. Um, he loved how he played, loved the energy, all that like he's a, he's a big soccer guy. he's a big sports guy. he just didn't know basketball like that. and he watched the whole you know Nick season he's been watching the playoffs with me and today like I was telling him, oh everyone's shitting on Chris Paul." He was like, why? He didn't really get it. He didn't get he was like everyone else had a shit game too. Like, why is Chris Paul getting all the slander? Why is Chris Paul getting all the, and I was like, well, here's the thing, man. Like Booker's really good. He's better than Chris Paul, but he's not older than him by, or, or close to it. Same, same way. Aiden Aiden's worse than Chris Paul and way younger than him. So like CP three is supposed to be like the guy, the leader, whatever on this team. And yes, Booker may be, in my opinion, the best player on the team because of in his role how how good he is but man when you are like 30 whatever and doing this choke job shit for like the fifth time in your career you cannot be upset when people call you out on it like there's no way you've been up five times and then lost the series and then are mad about people being like wow this guy gives up series after w- winning the start of them like, you know what I mean? Like you just can't be mad. Um this this stuff wears off too. It's how the discourse goes. I think I think the NBA has been waiting for this for a really long time. Um, because CP three is like a little rat and he's the goody two shoes that was the you know the president of the players association. So everyone's nice to him and what and yeah, like I know you gotta get voted the president, but it's like why would a guy like Chris Paul get voted president? You know what I mean? Because they know he's like the little the little loser, whatever, who will like go run all the meetings and be level headed and stuff. He's a little
0: like, snitch. He's a cop. He's a cop. Don't, Chris Paul's don't, a cop.
1: They don't see him as like they don't see him as like one of the brothers of the NBA. Like even Luca who's foreign and and doesn't, like, you know, Giannis has that aspect to him where, like, he's not really friends with any other superstars. Mm-hmm. Like, he, Giannis is getting his respect. Luka's getting his respect. You know, like, even though these guys aren't friends with these guys, they respect Jokic, right? Like, Jokic doesn't go to, to Brickley's gym and hang out with them in the offseason. He he gets drunk and rides his horses in Serbia. You know, like, he's not boys with these guys, and they respect him. They could not wait to shit on Chris Paul. Like the like these guys hate this dude, bro. Pat Bev woke up at 3 30 in the morning to catch <laughs> to catch a 6 AM flight to be in that studio by 10. Like that's insane, bro. <laughs> that's, that's insane.
0: That's, that's real hate right there. <laughs>
1: that's real facts. That's a real hater talk. <laughs> that's a real hate. That's a real slander. We stand with Pat Bev, but like Like actually though, that's nuts, right? Like we agree that that's absolutely insane for him to do that. So like, (laughs) like I I don't. I think it's just really indicative of where Chris Paul's at in his career. Like, remember when Russ Westbrook really started falling off, and people were like, "Wow, he never won anything, and now it looks like he's never gonna win anything." Like, it's time to start really making fun of this dude. (laughs) Like, I think we're about to watch that shift happen with Chris Paul. So long as next year isn't, you know, a big year for them. I think the the discourse will bounce back this summer. I think a bunch of accounts are going to get bangers off of don't let the 2022 playoffs let you forget that Chris Paul had 38 points against Kobe in 2009, you know? And and yeah, they're going to they those BS posts like that. Those posts are going to bang and then we're going to be right back to, you know, CP3's leadership is why Booker's dropping 30 a game. So i really couldn't care less i think um guys deserve slander when they play at certain levels i think when you're in his role on that team you're gonna catch slander when you have a game like you did and then it's chris paul like i don't give a shit bro i can i have a i have a lob city chris paul jersey in my closet right now because when i first got into the nba like lob city was so much fun to watch i loved reddick and Crawford is the two guards there, and I loved Paul, Griffin, DAJ as that, like, Lob City trio. Uh, so I have a Paul jersey, but these last couple of years, like, I really just care about Booker and Aiden on that team. I, I couldn't care less if he wins or not.
0: Yeah, and, like, for me, it's like there's certain players that, like, they were bothered by what Pat Bev was saying. Like, Damian Lillard came on Twitter, and he was like, Pat Bev, what did CP3 do to you? And then he was like... He's acting like his word is law on TV and speaking on private convos. I mean, he was like Pat Bev was speaking on like how like people in the locker rooms like view certain players. Like when Stephen A. brought up Grayson Allen, Pat Bev was like, "Bro, we don't we don't talk about dudes like that in our locker room. Like he don't mean nothing to the the grand scheme of the games." And he said, um, "Speaking on private convos and preying on motherfucker's downfall, that weird behavior. I didn't got a horse in the race. It's hilarious." And the reason why I coughed earlier and said Damian Lillard's name is because during the bubble, he had a whole lot of jokes about Paul George and all of them, and the Clippers. But I mean, now it's now it's oh you can't slander dudes you can't you can't you can't do that stuff. You I mean, know
1: I, very I, I, well. I've been out here shitting on Dame since they tried sending my son RJ packing for him. So <laughs> I'm on, I'm on your side.
0: But yeah, I mean, like it, it's just it's just it's just like. It's weird, man. Like you, you can't you can slander certain players, but you can't slander others. to it, me, it's just weird. But um, anyways, getting back to speaking of slander, um, Sixers heat. I mean, it's your Super the, Bowl that
1: that <laughs> that Sixers I mean, loss, man. That might have been your Super Bowl, bro.
0: Anyone that knows me, that's known me, like even people that went to high school with me. They know I've been waiting on James Harden downfall for a minute, man. Nah, that's like, some evil shit, bro. That's like that's some that's some, spi- like, that's some
1: OG Spider Man, <laughs> bro. Went to church to prey on Spider Man's downfall. <laughs> that's
0: like, anyone that anyone that went to high school with me knows. I I've been I've been hating on Harden for a minute now, and like when I tell you, like I was watching these games, and I'm like, it's not even fun to slander him anymore because it like is so pathetic the way he's performing. So anyways, I think the main takeaway from this series is that do you
1: feel like a little bad knowing now that like that athletic step is definitely gone and that he's just a shell of himself? But but the public just keeps pouring on these expectations. Like do you even feel a little bad that he that you know he's just not
0: going to live up to any of them? Not really. Not really. <laughs> not really cuz he's kind of he, he's kind of played a he's he's played a hand in this. I mean, Showing up to camp out of shape that doesn't help you at all, with, especially with a bad hamstring, and then coming into camp out of shape—that's just a combination that's just like doomed from the start. So I don't feel bad there. Um, Doncic and, like, and Jokic
1: show up to camp out of
0: shape every year, but they don't got hamstring issues.
1: Those got, dude. What do you like? I don't know. I don't know if I. I don't know if I've told you this. I mean, I thought I did. Um. But I guess I'll use the the FBL pod to to say this like none of that was real. Like I have it from net sources that none of
0: that was real. Well, I mean, I, I he's I, just I, cooked, bro. He's just actually not. I mean, I do think the hamstring injury did play a part in like him getting to this point. No, the, the, the like one the original. One the original hamstring engine yeah, the
1: one at the start of the year was gone by the time the season started. Like Oh yeah, I know that for sure, but I'm and saying then like the second one never existed. Like the one that oh, started, course. the one that flared up at trade season, that literally never existed. Oh yeah, existed. I know that
0: for sure. The first I'm just one saying, was, was
1: fully healed by the time the season started. I'm and just it, it saying was like him coming into in, camp. And he was like, nah, bro, my hamstring. That's why I only had twelve.
0: <laughs> him coming into camp out of shape and like recovering from the hamstring. All of that is just like a a combination for you to be cooked. And we're seeing it unfold. And the Sixers, they decided to roll the dice on this. And they thought, you know, since Ben Simmons doesn't want to play for us, we might as well get something for him. And James Harden doesn't want to be in Brooklyn anymore. So let's just do that trade. And I, I I've been saying this for a minute now, but this is probably going to be the first ever lose-lose, quote-unquote, superstar trade. Um, I don't really see either as a superstar, especially James Harden, not anymore, the way he's been playing. But this is going to be the first ever lose-lose superstar trade because Ben Simmons seems to have a lingering back issue. And who knows how long his time in Brooklyn will be there. Um, And with the the Sixers, you have a guy who you're either going to have to pay to keep. Brooklyn's going to do something. Max money or oh they're,
1: they're, oh they're gonna pay him dude so they're they're paying Harden,
0: and that's where they're gonna be they're gonna be trapped there i, I think. Mean, i think
1: if you're telling me that think about this from a gambling perspective right think about it this as you're at the you're at a table you're daryl Morey, and for some reason that goddamn like ugh, 17 and roulette like you just can't stop you know what i mean like that's your number it's always been your number and you know whatever you lucked into some chips or you know got a new job now you got some new chips you didn't have before um and he just went and put them all on 17 dude <laughs> he he said like, fuck it i could get i couldn't win with harden for all those years i want him back you know like we make fun of scott perry because he does it with absolute like shitters Mm-hmm. but I feel like we should have been making way more fun of Maury for, for when <laughs> like, like, I th- I feel like we gave him respect for this. I feel like he got respect for parlaying Ben into Harden. Like people were saying before that trade, Schwinn was telling us months before that trade, that Harden's next deal was going to be one of the worst in the league. And then Maury went and acquired him to give him, to give him the, to to trade for the right to, to get his production and pay for that deal. And it's like,
0: Bro, <laughs> I think <laughs> I think Maury's, I think Maury's, um like mindset was better the devil that you know than the devil that you don't know. He didn't yeah. know Ben Simmons, he knew James Harden, so he was like, you know what? At least with James Harden, I know the person that I'm getting into this deal with. Uh, but so then, like, and the, 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 maybe the I can X. salvage something there and give picks. And it just didn't work out and. I mean, it, it, it was funny to see everyone get tricked by the initial, um, the Sixers wins, especially against us, the Knicks, which was hilarious. Cause All they, right.
1: All right. That first game, yo, Embiid had seven made field goals and 37 points. And people tried using that game as like as a reason why they were coming out of the East. I was at that game. Okay. I watched every single one of those fouls or lack thereof get committed or not committed. Like. That was the most bullshit performance. Harden looked real, by the way. Like as someone who was there, I will tell you confidently that Harden looked like an all-star caliber player that day. Um well, he, he can't do- produce
0: that on a, on yeah, a high exactly. level every he's, single game. He's
1: not that guy though. So it's like if you're Philly, did you think you'd be looking at I, like, did you think that after you traded Ben Simmons that Tyrese Maxey would still be your second most reliable guy? I don't know, man. Like, that's just insane to me. We all we all knew they were going to have to look to probably trade Toby, right? And then Toby comes out this playoffs, and he's like one of two people on that fucking roster that fights at all. Him and Maxey were the two guys I saw, like, okay getting bumped if it meant they got a board before Embiid came back, obviously, you know? Mm. So it's like, what do you do with him? Right? Like, do you go speak of Harrison Barnes again? Like, do you try to sell Sacramento on like a, a wet dream offensively and, and throw something in with Harris that gets you Barnes and that's your that's your play? Is Harden Maxie Barnes something Embiid, You know, like sure. what, I, I just don't like where what's your pivot? You know what I mean? Like what that where the hell are you going from here? Brooklyn, at least we know some of the things they might do. Um, I can tell you that you know, like the the classic name, the classic center acquisition that everyone likes to dream of for any team is Miles Turner, right? That might yeah. genuinely be something they look at. Who knows, right? I I can also what something I can actually tell you, like definitely, is that um, you know how there were a couple hours before the deadline, but after the Harden trade, where mm-hmm. it was like locked in. Brooklyn tried taking those picks they got and turning them into Jeremy Grant. Like they mm. called Detroit. There were there were talks, but you know all those rumors about Jeremy wanting to be a number 1 and shit, like he just wasn't yeah. down for it and he told Detroit like really please don't do this and whatever whatever and and it wasn't it was it was Joe Harris and and the picks. You know like it was it was shit. It was going to be like Harris, Claxton and the picks for for Jeremy. You know? So mm. They, they're active though so like they were looking to do something you know and maybe, maybe they don't get swept if they if instead of having Joe Harris injured they have Jeremy Grant out there you know like I may, maybe they go down in six to Boston maybe they go down in seven maybe maybe having Jeremy out there you know and, and Rob will wasn't back yet. Uh, somehow Kyrie is able to to have a good enough game enough times where they they push Boston 7, right? Like, I think we could have been looking at a really different Brooklyn, and I hate playing what if with them because it's fucking Brooklyn, but they're going to do something. Like, they have that ammo, and I think everyone forgot about it. The fact that they have Cam Thomas, who isn't playing a lick for them, right? Like, have we seen him? Did we see him? <laughs> like, no, like, he didn't negatively? play in the playoffs. So, so they have those picks that they got. For for Harden with Simmons, they might have the better contract of the two between Harden and Simmons, and they have Cam Thomas. They got Nick Cla- Nick Claxton. They got a couple young guys to trade. That someone it takes one asshole team to think a, a guy has value, you know. So someone someone who was really high on Cam Thomas last year maybe um, is willing to you know trade for him and and give them a real player. Uh, I think they're a legitimate center away from being back in the scary convo. You know, I think Kyrie and KD come out next year and for once, like, this is going to be the craziest thing I've ever said. Like, they have, like, a little bit of spine next year and, like, have a little something to prove to the league, you know. And if they get a bruiser, you know, someone who's doing dirty work so that they don't have to. They might be motivated to keep that up, you know. If they're not getting bruised down low at all because they don't got to do anything tough, they might actually keep playing tough. So I think Brooklyn has has a. I really don't hate their situation. I think um, Nash is interesting, and I think that Amari Stoudemire coming out and completely shitting on them after like quitting is amazing. And indicative that something needs to change. I just think they have too much ammo to make change for me to like
0: write them off still. Man, I'll never believe in Brooklyn, man. I don't care what they do.
1: That's fair. They but, traded for Harden, and I said on to a tolerable degree that they weren't winning a blessed thing. And Fritz and Riley called me a Homer Nick fan idiot because I said the Nets wouldn't win a thing. And what look where we are. And they now,
0: still man. won't win anything. I feel like this trade is still it still leaves them with a lot of questionable things but um straying away from the nets because I do want to continue on with who's still in the playoffs um the heat well not the heat but um back to the Sixers I mean Embiid again once again not healthy what do you do there with Embiid I mean how long do you rely on him in the playoffs being your number one guy knowing that he's going to be out or he's gonna be playing hurt for a great majority of the playoffs i mean last year he was playing with what a partially torn meniscus i mean this year it's the thumb and then he gets cracked in the face by pascal siakam and i mean i know you can't foresee things like that but it's just like every year it's something new with him and it's like how much longer can you go forward with him and this core and we know that this core is going to be together most likely for another year because they have the injury excuse to play they can say oh you well you know Embiid was hurt so you know Maybe if Embiid is fully healthy, we go further with James Harden and Doc Rivers and Tyrese Maxey gets a year better and, you know, Tobias Harris is fully in that fourth option role instead of in between second, third, and fourth, depending on who's out and who has a good game. So it's it's a lot of questions with Philly. Um, but credit to the, to the Heat to taking advantage of this situation. I mean, Jimmy Butler's probably looked like... The best, if not one of the five best players in the playoffs. Yeah, I was I mean, gonna say,
1: this is the, after that bubble, people kind of wrote him off as like, oh, that mm-hmm. was his last big year. And mm-hmm. then he came out in this playoffs and was like, hey, there's a lot of bullshit going on in the East, but. Even though I'm a bit of a front runner, even though I'm a bit of a cornball fake tough guy, I can still hoop. <laughs> you know, check this out. <laughs> check check out these steals and buckets on the Hawks. Check check out us dismantle the Sixers and send them into ruins. Like, I don't know, man. It was kind of cool to see Jimmy. I've always liked Jimmy. I hate the heat. I hate Tyler Hero. I hate Bam Adebayo. Um, Eric Spolstra just pisses me off because for someone that looks like he never showers, he's so much smarter than me about basketball. And I, I just like I, I, wish that like I could be one percent as smart as him one day about basketball. So he just pisses me off. Um, so I just hate Miami, and like I really wanted Philly to beat them because you know I love Embiid even if I don't mess with Harden like that, and you know I love Maxi too. So I, I wanted Philly to win. Miami more than took advantage of them being in disarray, and uh, yeah, I mean look where this is where we are now.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Jimmy Butler, he's really stepped up on the offensive end. I mean, he's someone that, like, really coasts during the regular season, as we can see. Like, because, like, during the regular season, the three ball is not falling like this. He is not as aggressive um, being a scorer. He's much more of a facilitator. He's much more of, you know, letting other guys get into their rhythm. But, like, come postseason time, he is not playing around at all with this stuff. And like, he really wanted this series. And, you know, I was kind of nervous about them going into game six on the road in Philly. And I was like, you know what, maybe this goes back to Miami for seven, but Jimmy just made sure he set the tone early in that game six and he really took care of business. And that's, that's what you want to see from your top guys. Um, And he did that. So all credit to him and, you know, I got nothing bad to say about him, um, these playoffs. I mean, last playoffs, he got outscored by Brent Forbes in a series. Um, this year, definitely turning, um, rewriting that story. So it's good to see. Um, and lastly, before we do get into some conference finals talk, um, we have the Grizzlies versus the Warriors. Grizzlies were of course, without John Morant. Um, but we know... That team is just as good without John Morant as they are with him. Um man, the Grizzlies, you know they piss me off too,
1: but <sighs> like the reason they pissed me off, like do you remember when the Warriors were coming up, like really coming up, and just like every single at NBA Instagram post, every single NBA YouTube video, like was just Steph. Like it was just like yo Steph Curry mm-hmm. plays basketball. Steph Curry plays basketball. Steph Curry plays. Ba-. Yep. Um. Like I don't think John Morant is better enough than Desmond Bain or than Jaron Jackson Jr. Or that he's contributed more to that team's success than year than Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson more en- You know what I mean? Like a substantial amount more to the point where like he's the only guy on the team getting coverage. I understand when there are teams where only one guy gets coverage. I understand when LaMelo's part of every Hornets highlight, whether on the passing end of a lob or or just the guy pulling off the highlight, right? Like, I can get that. I, I cannot fathom exclusively posting missed dunks from someone who, like, is probably the best player on his own team and has two guys on his team who are, like, one almost just as good as him, debatably, if you're you know really high on db you know you could say dez is is close to like really close to as good as him um and then jaron jackson jr i ask people this question all the time and i think it's a fantastic question so i'll ask it to you right now like to prove my point would you trust a grizzlies team more that had last year's jaw and this year's jaron or this year's jaw and last year's jaron like which duo
0: that's tough I think it's um,
1: really easily the the version with this year's Jaron Jackson Jr. because his defensive improvements to me are the reason that that team got as good as it, it did this year.
0: Yeah, um, I will say because last year's um, last year's Jaron um, last year's Jaron was um, was just coming off a meniscus injury too. So why is John Morant the most improved player of the year?
1: I just can't get it. <laughs> oh, for me,
0: he's definitely not. Uh, he's I, I not, he, think, he was not man. even in my top three for that. that I thought award. JJJ
1: deserved it over him, like his own teammate. And then for he me, gave it to he gave it to Des Bane because he's a cornball, but he probably deserved it more too, bro.
0: For me, it was like easily between like Jordan Poole and and dudes like that. Like the strides that Jordan Poole has made. I mean, they speak for themselves. And speaking of the Warriors, I mean he Jordan Poole didn't have that great of a series this series and they're going to need him to step up in the next series which we'll get into very briefly but I'm um, going back to the Grizzlies um like you said there's going to like like you like you've pointed out they do have a lot of um great young talent there's going to be some co- consolidation coming with them I feel cuz dudes need to get paid but they also need to make a step forward as a team and you just can't keep that many young guys you just I'm, can't yeah so
1: like we were talking about this a bit earlier with the, my atlanta reference but like i don't know man uh oh this is something we talked about earlier too remember i was bringing up like having 48 minutes of elite rim protection mm-hmm. you, you know how cool it is for the memphis grizzlies to be able to take the guy who handles the ball for them off the floor and be able to put someone in who has the best assist to turnover ratio, like the last three seasons or some mm-hmm. shit like that. Like, that's not, I don't think that's gonna be the case next year. Um, I i would love for the Knicks to go after Tyus. You can go on twitter.com right now and look up hashtag Tyus Jones is good at basketball. And it's just exclusively tweets of mine from months back talking about how this guy is underrated because it pisses me off how underrated this Grizzlies core is. Guys like Xavier Tillman, senior. Like like senior like he like he should be getting like at least like two flowers like that guy should have like two or three flowers by now. Son's getting no type flowers. John Morant has bouquets out the wazoo for you know being at. I, I just can't like <laughs> I can't do this bro. Like I think that team is so good for so many reasons, and everyone's just like. Ja Morant almost dunked over Pat Williams. Like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Can we get serious? Um, that team that you know, all that like, oh, you know who else is a free agent is Slomo. And he's really underrated. You know, I'm not just saying that because he's New Jersey hoops certified. Uh Slomo is like a really good playmaker and a really good passer. Um, and I know his shot looks funny, but what he and Tyus do for that team. The fact that Memphis might have to choose one or the other, you know, like, and that's just going to be the start of their problems, losing their young guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, again, you know, what's Tibbs mantra? Well, I know you don't. I'm not. I wasn't a fan this year. I know you hate the guy, but like. You can't just yeah, don't even get me you.
0: started. I had to, I had to do post game every night. You can't and... you
1: can't I dis- had to do halftime every night, bro. We would be up and then I'd have to explain after the game how I just hyped us up cuz we were up, how we lost. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, I yeah, feel I'm, you. I'm I'm uh, I'm not I'm not know, biggest fan so But I don't you know hear about you his, know
1: his man- nah, you know the you cannot deny that his mantra of go get your stats and you'll get paid, help us win and we'll all get paid, like the Grizzlies just did that winning. Everyone's gonna get paid now, you know. Like they're they, that team's not staying together forever, man. So, uh, yeah, you know, I I just think that you're you're spot on about that point and that people underrate. They
0: do got to get rid of Dylan Brooks that. though he's absolutely putrid we'll see, like man. i know there's like people that want to be like fake smart about him and be like oh he's this tough gritty dude like he's got length as a defender like no he's awful like he's absolutely putrid like whatever he had a 30 ball in game 6 or whatever it was but like for the rest of the series they did not need him like one of their best games that series was when he was suspended
1: cam thomas kind of like if everything goes wrong
0: <laughs> that, just that's we the type of dude he's going to be like <laughs> the guy we with were, the ultimate just, green light
1: who just, just like, we were talking about earlier. This came in my mind. Like, yeah, you know what? That's what we're looking at. Um, Yeah, I, you know, if I'm a team like, what team should be all over Dylan Brooks? None. The teams in China. Bro, that should be all over him. I'm being dead serious. Like, if Utah trades Donovan and keeps Rudy like that. I would go after Dylan Brooks. If I were them, like that would be a team that I think should be all over him. I don't know. He, he could be good somewhere. I I think that he is an idiot and that like, he if thinks he, he's still at Oregon. That's his issue. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, bro, I, I, I tweeted um, that he's never seen a shot he doesn't like, but that's not even accurate. Like, that's not an accurate description of how he plays. He, you know what he plays like? Because, because you, you said Oregon. You know, you know what? Dylan Brooks plays every single game like it's senior night. <laughs> yeah, and like, and like his team is like four and twenty-four, and it doesn't matter,
0: bro. Bro, just gets the hoop.
1: <laughs> Bro, Dylan Brooks plays every night Like he's like it's senior night and he's the star
0: Yeah But um I guess we get into Western Conference Preview because we didn't get to really Um talk about the Warriors That much in this um in this series Because I felt like this their their performance in this Series was very lackluster And like you know Being as top heavy As they are with Steph, Clay Dre Um Jordan Poole even Wiggins played um, some pretty good basketball this series too. I will say, um, defensively and, and rebounding the ball. Um, but yeah, they're just going to need to step up completely in this Western Conference Finals. We saw what um, what the 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 Mavericks are capable of, especially when their top three guys are rolling. And even when their top three guys aren't rolling, we've seen that at home games, Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney Smith they will let it fly from deep and when they get hot it is an issue um so that's it's going to be very interesting to see how the Warriors combat that because they cannot come out with that same type of lackluster starts that they did in in these games against the Grizzlies um clay is going to have to be on game 6 clay mode like every single game
1: you know the guy who i think matters more in this series his name rhymes with clay but I think Dre matters more to to me. Like I've I've accepted that Clay is the mids. To me, like if you get Draymond Green, this series, um, you win because like the Grizzlies' strength is to me against the Warriors is good. Uh, or no, not not uh, not the you you know what I'm saying. The um, Mavs, <laughs> yeah. When the the Mavs' strength against the the Warriors is like that. You know, I, I like to say the Mavs play like St. Peter's, like the Mavs play like a Cinderella team, right? Like they play every single game like they've got no business being there and that they got to work their ass off to, to show you why they do deserve to be at that game. You know, the Suns showed up to game seven like, yeah, this our moment. <laughs> we we to shine. Warriors showed up to game five. Like, yeah, this our moment. Uh, and what happened? you know, they, they got, they got rolled over, man. They thought Memphis would roll over and they were met with this tiniest bit of resistance and, 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 rolled over themselves completely. Um, So for me, like, I just think if you get Draymond green against the Dallas Mavericks, like there's more to that than people think. I think getting in Luca's head is going to be under, an underrated. I, and yeah, I know making him mad is one thing, but, Devin Booker making him mad is different from Draymond Green, like actually getting in his head. And I don't mean to sit here and spin like WWE fantasies about these guys, like yeah. playing mind games with each other. But Draymond is actually one of the players that like, I think like mind games is like a plus attribute of his like deep Jaron Jackson Jr. Fouls out like too often, but it, that shit was happening like with the quickness against Draymond, like Draymond had him doing some stupid stuff, man. So, I, I think that the, the Warriors have a big opportunity to just play curveball and go out there and just look great and 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 hoop and they they're gonna have to fight for it but they could go out there and look good um, if they go out there and just try to just try to play basketball and just try to to just run it you know pick up see what's good and, and see what the Mavs have to offer they're gonna hit like a fucking truck because as much as I hate to credit you know jason kidd and and even though they don't have christops anymore i still just like don't fuck with dallas um because i didn't for so long to me it's like they that you i you can't deny how hard they come after you from from the tip like like pause but jesus christ but like um man they they play really aggressive
0: right so and you saw that aggression in game seven defensively. I mean, there was one clip that was going around that was making the rounds today with um Jason Kidd, like yelling from the sidelines, like, like basically like directing his team defensively what to do. And like, they were just like swarming. It felt like there was like seven Mavericks on the court, like just swarming at the Phoenix Suns players. And Phoenix Suns just they were just as you as you know, from from the jump, they were just not on their game. And from from that moment Dallas knew what they had to do and they just kept applying pressure kept applying pressure kept applying pressure and they're going to do that to Golden State too um it's going to be interesting to see how guys like they, um how Jordan Poole responds to that cuz I don't think he's really seen that type of like defensive pressure from those um those previous um um these previous rounds I mean especially round 1 he was able to have his way because the the, the Nuggets backcourt is just like absolute food um and the grizzlies backcourt is a little bit better defensively especially once ja sat down but um yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the how how they how he responds to this mavericks defense um, one other thing that i'm interested to see is how they use jonathan kuminga in this series i saw a clip from one warriors beat, rep- beat reporter on twitter today showing that they've used kuminga on luka doncic in stints during the regular season and it has, like, worked to a, a degree. I mean, it's a very small sample size, but it's going to be very interesting to see if they do use him more because they didn't use him that much in this in this Grizzly series, especially as it got to the latter part. But it's going to be interesting to see if they do use him um, to begin this series on, on Luka, just, just for certain moments.
1: I think that... This like, he's the kind of guy that like you need i I don't want to say like you need to beat a team like the Mavericks, but he's the kind of guy who can he's he's one of the only guys on their roster that can give them something they need to beat the mavericks, and that's just like that explosive athleticism that no one is young enough to have on that team anymore <laughs> except for him and he's a great athlete, so you know that that's not just any kind of athleticism but like yeah, we know the Mavericks love to run right so you need someone out there that that can you know keep up and jordan pool is not some sort of defensive
0: beast uh um, yeah
1: you know so if you're looking at your young guys
0: for some help it's not going to be him ooh speaking of jordan pool defensively it's going to be ooh we saw how they hunted chris paul I wonder if they're going to do the same thing to Jordan Poole because they,
1: yeah, they they are and they're going to go after um just they they they're, they're, they're going to have their bigs launching shots in my opinion from deep. Like they're going to try getting that respect from the defense to collapse to those corners as early as possible so that that the middle opens up and they can just try to let Luka go run free. Uh because now that Kristaps is gone and they don't have to pretend like they have a second guy who can you know like they just actually play like everyone helps Luca out ball, and I guess the team like the Warriors doesn't have exquisite rim protection, um, yeah, well, that's gonna get exploited too,
0: yeah, um, so prediction, oh jeez, uh,
1: six. War- Warriors, uh, the, I, I, you know what? I want to say seven. It's so hard to just to 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 not give the full respect to the Mavs with how hard they play. Um, but Golden State's kind of been p- like pissing around too much. Like they, it, it feels like uh, they know that these first quizzes, like they didn't really need to study, but then it, it, they've been getting like seventies on them. Like they're passing, but it's like barely, dude. <laughs> you, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying. This yeah. is a test. They got a test now. I think Dallas is on another level than Memphis. I didn't have Memphis as a real even pretender. Forget contender, right? So, uh for me, they've got to come out and pass this test with flying colors if, if they want to be serious and I kept saying to myself in that Memphis series, "Oh, I kept waiting on them to be serious. I kept waiting on them. I kept waiting and then they even they couldn't even win the series without, you know, shitting the bed and losing by 40. Um Man, I, I, I can't, I'm gonna give the respect to the Mavs. I, I won't say four. Or five. I'll go. I'll go Warriors and six for for that series. And for the the other side in the East, uh, oh wait, I wait, got, wait
0: we got to go through the East first. We got to like oh, talk oh. about it first, man. My bad, <laughs> my bad. I got excited, but um, I got Warriors and six as well. I mean, I just can't ignore championship pedigree. We've seen it too many times to um to ignore it um and like you said they've been pissing around they this is this is the moment that they have to take serious
1: exactly they've been like legitimately unserious thus far which is odd but i'm
0: i'm gonna bet on that to change here and i feel like they have another level to get to now moving on to the other side heat celtics a rematch of the bubble eastern conference finals um the rosters kind of look similar, but also very different as well. Um, there's no Kemba for the Heat to exploit on 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 this on this time this time around. You also don't have um, you also don't have um, I don't even know who else was on that team. <laughs> I know there was. I mean, I mean, there's no Kemba this time, so. I know that's that's one sticking point that um, that um, Celtics fans are bringing up, but it's going to be very interesting um, to see this um, this series go down. Because I mean, like a lot of people, they still don't believe in the Heat because they feel like their first two matchups are kind of soft, which I can agree with to a certain point. And also, they're missing Kyle Lowry, but Kyle Lowry uh, to me hasn't been that much of a difference maker for this team this year. So I can't really have that really impact how I view this series. Um, And on the Celtics side, it's like people really are high on the Celtics now because, you know, they beat the Nets in very convincing fashion. I mean, the Nets are unserious from the jump anyways. But um, now they beat Giannis in seven, who a lot of people had advancing anyways without Middleton. So, People are really high on the on the on the Celtics, and they really feel like they will get this one done. Um, so it's gonna be very interesting to see how this series plays out. I really don't even know where to start with this series because you yeah, got Jason Tatum. You know he's gonna ball out. Um, but man, this series could get really ugly because like these two teams defensively, they have been really stifling at times. Like. I mean, we saw in that Bucks series, some of those games were really gross. Like, offensively, like teams just couldn't. Both teams could not get it going. And here we have another like defensive centered matchup between these two teams. It's going to be very interesting to see how these teams like combat each other's defenses.
1: I think it'll be interesting um, as a contrast to the other series just with like how explosive i expect golden state versus dallas to be to have Mm -hmm. boston miami slugging it out on the other end will be kind of cool um (laughs) you know you get to alternate matchup styles uh which is you know i i I actually appreciate that so that that's cool and then as far as the games are gonna go like (sighs) miami will fight They will have their games at home where the role players go off and they'll win. Mm
0: -hmm. Boston
1: will win at home. Boston will steal games in Miami because I'm going to sound like your guy Ecom, you know, from Ball Don't Stop. But they got the bucket getters in Boston, so when it, you know, that that's the team to me that's going to steal a game on the road. And you know, I've always said, Ricky G always says, shouts to him that playoff series start when a, a road team gets a game. Right. When a road team wins a game, that's when the series starts. That's when you've got a series. And I I think Boston is is the team that can do that. So, you know, I think maybe Miami comes out, wins game one, um, just at home, comfortable, even without Lowry. You know, they're doing all right. I think Boston wins two, three and four. And they're up three one going back to Miami. Kyle Lowry will be back. They'll grab one. And that's that, that'll be over when they go back to Boston for six, in my opinion. I just think that um, you know the, the heat have the depth, which is is valuable, but not game, not series winning. It can be game winning. I don't think it's series winning unless of course it's a, it's a game seven, but you get what I'm saying? like I, I think your depth can move the needle in, over the course of, of a single game. I don't know if over the course of a whole series, like I would pick one team over another because of their depth. Um, and uh, Miami's got, you know, Omer Yurt Sevens being spawned every year on that bench. Max Struess, right? But, like, it, that's not firepower. That's just, like, paper mache nerf darts that happen to fit in the nerf guns that you could fire. Like, that's not actual firepower. Um, the Celtics have those red mega bullets, and they've got, like, one of them in Tatum and another one in that team's defense. And Miami's not going to be able to withstand the the hits from that weird ass wow, analogy.
0: So, so I'm looking back at the 2020 Bubble Eastern Conference Finals. Leading score for the Miami Heat in that series, interestingly enough, was Bam Adebayo. Goran Dragic second leading scorer, <laughs> Tyler Hero third leading scorer. Jimmy Butler was the fourth leading scorer on that team in that series at 19 points per game. Interesting. Yeah. And then you have Duncan Robinson, who's not in the heat rotation. Currently you have Jay Crowder and you have Andre Iguodala, Kelly Olynyk, Derek Jones Jr. Wow. What a team. What a team. Yeah. Fascinating team. I mean, now you kind of replace some of these roles. You got Goran Dragic basically replaced by, Kyle Kyle Lowry slash Gabe Vincent. You got Duncan Robinson replaced by Max Struess. You got Jay Carter replaced by Oladipo. It's very interesting. One thing that stuck out to me in this series, which I, well, not in this series, but from Miami's point that I didn't mention is um, Oladipo's resurgence. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so that guy, no.
1: like, exists, man. I um, I remember I wanted him. So, like, l- going into last offseason, rather g- not, like, going into the year that we were the fourth seed, right? Like, before we knew we were going to ever have a season that was good. Like, I thought we were still, you know, shitter squad. Um, I was interested in giving him, like, a four for 80, uh, be, seeing, like, if he would take – the 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 long-term deal with the knicks having a chance of it becoming an albatross just like to come here and play off rj like be rj like be a creator on the team but not a real creator so that rj also has to get reps and like almost like an intentionally not good enough piece you know so that like our young players also get to do some stuff and then like that season he just showed that he was like medically cooked um and i my interest in him really faded And it was brought up, you know, I think it was state that said he would sign him to a two year, 18 million this last offseason, which is what we ended up paying Kemba. So that's kind of funny. Um, But, you know, then he spent this season again, not playing or when he did come back, he looked like really bad. And it was just like, yuck, man, like this, this might end bad. Uh, And he healed up bros like hooping. I love it. I loved him back in 2018. So I love this for sure.
0: Yeah. And like, it's going to be really interesting to see how much of a key factor he is in this series Um, with his ability to create shots for himself, for others um, defensively. Um, But yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Um, And looking back at the Boston Celtics from that year, of course, you know, you have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown leading the way. Kemba, third leading scorer, nineteen points, nineteen point seven points per game. Did this thing wasn't oh, completely washed yet. Well, Marcus Smart, fourth leading <laughs> scorer at seventeen points per game. Um, and yeah, they had Gordon Hayward, Brad Wanamaker, Ennis Cancer. Very very interesting looking team. You mean Ennis Freedom? Yeah, I'm not calling him that. Can you respect um, it? (laughs) It's funny because Rob Williams is only getting nine minutes per game in that series. And now he's like one of the key factors for the Celtics defense. And Grant Williams is getting eight minutes a game. And he's also now a key factor. It's so crazy how things could change in like two years in the NBA. But yeah, yeah. I dude, mean, do you remember?
1: Do you remember that photo of Pacers Paul George, Knicks Carmelo, all those different players like from that era? Uh Chicago Jimmy Butler, Clippers Chris Paul, like all on that one big poster, and mm-hmm. it got reposted like a trillion. Uh, Demarcus Cousins on the Kings, it got reposted a trillion times like in 2018 because mm-hmm. of, uh, like half the guys had changed teams already.
0: All those guys are
1: on different teams again. (laughs) Like and and half of them are are irrelevant. Blake Griffin was one of like the main guys on that poster. Carmelo Anthony was one of the main guys on that poster. Now, you know, people get clowned for arguing he's a top 75 player because of his three to the dome swagger.
0: Yeah. That was a deep cut, man.
1: That reference was a deep cut.
0: Uh yeah, I understood the reference. Um, that was, that wasn't I don't know episode. if anyone else is gonna understand the that reference was a, if you're that not was a deep cut off the album. Right? If you're not um super into Nick's Twitter fandom, but um with this series, like I said, it's gonna be a real slugfest. A lot of these games don't expect the high octane octaneness that you're probably gonna see. Like you said, um, between the um between the Mavericks and the Warriors. But I think it should be good basketball. I mean, we're going to see two high-level teams with two really good coaches trying to outscheme each other. And I think that's going to be very interesting. Um, um, For me, I got Celtics in seven. I just think they have more offensive firepower or more reliable offensive firepower than the Heat. Because with the Celtics, I know I'm getting something from Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. And then, you know, it's a mixed bag between Al Horford, he can give you a night. Um, Marcus Smart, he can give let's you a nice respect.
1: Night. The it's not a mixed bag
0: with Al Horford, man. That guy, no, I mean, like, it's a mixed bag between like who you're gonna get between oh, those guys. Oh, I was which gonna game, say, bro, because yeah, I don't which know, kind like, of game you're gonna get. Because I don't know, night, it might be Al Horford's night. And then,
1: he found like Viva Peru with PEDs in it or something. Like, bro,'s been off the VIX, yeah. With, he's definitely like, on HGH, and no, he's it, definitely it, gonna you know, get tested. Dominican. It's VIX, I'm telling you, it's VIX Vapor Rope. That's what he's off. Ask Prez, ask anyone, someone will tell you. Al Horford found a jar of Vicks VapoRub, and that's what he been off. That shit is—it's like the opposite of kryptonite for us Dominicans. Vicks, bro, I got—I'll get a cut at my grandma's house. You know what she uses instead of a band-aid? She puts Vicks VapoRub on that shit. Like I'm telling you, Dominicans will use that for anything. He found some HGH loaded Vicks. And that's what he's been off. I have no other explanation for this. This remontada, this string of masterclasses, I've loved it because it is awesome basketball. It's just like, I, I, I don't mean to sound like so much of a nerd talking about Al Horford of all people, but like it's like kick-ass basketball to me, man. Bro's old as hell, just like out there hooping. <laughs> this is like real Uncle Drew to me. It's like Al Horford showing up out there and like actually like showing up Giannis for a game.
0: But yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, like I didn't mean a mixed bag with Al Horford, but I meant like it's a mixed bag between a, I, I just had to which good game. game which good game you're gonna get from which player. Like sometimes like like a game seven, it might be a Grant Williams night. One night it might be a Marcus Smart night. One night it might be might be an Al Horford night, but you know you're gonna get some type of tertiary support between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. With the Miami Heat, it's Jimmy Butler and I don't know. Maybe it's Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero's been wildly inconsistent these playoffs. Bam's been wildly inconsistent these playoffs. Um, Kyle Lowry has been old and washed these playoffs. I mean, Victor Oladipo is just now getting back onto the scene and he's been okay. Max Struess has been okay, but like, you really don't know who's really going to be that guy behind Jimmy Butler. And it's just like, I don't know if I can fully, like, rely on that. And for me, I do think a lot of these games are going to be slugfest, but at the same time, I just think in the end, it's going to be Boston to come out on top in seven. What about you for prediction? I got them in six, taking it at home in that last game. Oh, yeah, Um, like you said,
1: yeah. Because I I just think that, you know, I I, I think Miami will win um, a game at home. And I think they will win. They will. They'll win either game one or two, and they're going to win game five at home. Um, but one of one or two, and then three and four, Boston is going to win, and and they're going to. they I think they might string together three straight. Um, I think I think Miami might come out and win tomorrow, and if they do, you should be scared for them because Boston might come out and win three straight and go up three one. Um, I, I just think that this Boston team is very interesting. I think when they hit their strides, they're like unstoppable, which is fascinating because it's just, you know, it's a new blueprint for teams to follow. It's a, it's a, it's a copycat league. We know that in every sport. Um, and Boston, like, like who's their point guard. Right. So it's, I I love it. I love what they're doing out there. Uh, it makes me, you know, higher on guys like Alondis Williams in the draft. Uh, Who like aren't true point guards? Like everyone on Nick's Twitter wants Emmanuel quickly to be, you know. But uh, the kid can hoop and he can pass. So could he play point guard for a team like the Celtics? Yeah, like that. That makes me higher on a player like that because they they have put out that blueprint that's working, you know. So I've got the Celtics in six. Um, I I think I'm gonna respect them for once, and and I picked the Nets over the Celtics. I picked the Bucks over the Celtics. I'm finally in the Eastern Conference Finals picking the Celtics to to win a round. Um, So forgive me for putting these expectations on them and and picking them in less games than you. But yeah, I'm going to maybe it's an overreaction to my continued apparent disrespect of how freaking good this team is. But yeah, Celtics and six for me. Yeah, Um,
0: I think that's all we got for today. Um, Chris, thank you for coming on once again, talking some NBA playoffs with me. Um, You got anything you want to plug? Draft class, bro.
1: Go check out Nick's Film School podcast feeds or YouTube, wherever you get your pods or, or, you know, wherever you watch YouTube and just check out draft class on Knicks Film School. It's my new show. I got a new guest on every week. Um, We've had two Strickland guests already in Schwinn to talk like some GMing stuff and prez to talk draft strategy. So loved those two episodes. And I also had some, some other really cool guests on the show, stone Hansen, floor and ceiling on YouTube and Sam Vecini from the athletic. Uh, so yeah, go, go check out draft class. If you're interested in what you just heard, but like a, a chill ass conversation, but about the draft. So yeah. And thank you again uh, for having me on, bro. It's always a pleasure. It's all it always feels like cheating when I get to pod with someone I'm friends with. So yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: <laughs> no doubt, man. Um, uh, make sure y'all check all that stuff out. And for me, I will plug the strickland as always. Yeah, I know I did post game on there during the back half of the regular season covering the Knicks. Make sure you check out that. They're putting out some great content. And you know, with draft season almost upon us, there will be a ton of content to check out. So make sure y'all check that out links to everything, of course, as always will be in the show notes. So check it out. Peace.